Hey, it's Dave. So this morning we've had a ton of bombshell news about OpenAI. Um, yeah, OpenAI seems like it's in, uh, I wouldn't say self-destruct, but blow up mode right now. In this video, what I'm gonna do in this live stream, I'm gonna share kind of the current happenings of what's happening in OpenAI, but I'm gonna take it further. I'm gonna give some speculation on why I think um, Sam Altman and Greg Brockman are starting kind of this new venture with uh, Microsoft, what it might look like. And then I'll also go into implications on the future. What does this mean for the bigger landscape of AI, um, the race toward AGI? Does this change the layout in terms of who's in the leadership position, who stands to benefit from all of this? And how does this change right, the world that we know as right now? Um, so, and then I'll go ahead and take some questions as well. So welcome to the live stream um, if you're joining in. All right, so let's go ahead and um, first uh, review a couple things that happened last night. So I've been doing these live streams and kind of keeping people up to date on what I think is one of the most significant developments in AI. And AI tends to be one of the most significant, right? Probably the most significant technological development of our decade, if not our generation. So this is really significant stuff. So last night, um, Ashley Vance reported saying that um, the interim CEO Mira was planning to hire Sam and Greg back and give back the, the whole kind of reins to Sam, but the board decided to go on their own and hire their own CEO named Emmett Shear. He is the former CEO of uh, Twitch. And then um, Sam and uh, Greg decided to, yeah, to step away. Satya Nadella, the Microsoft CEO, gave a bombshell of announcement at 1.53 a.m. this this morning, um, Central Time. And he says, yeah, he, he, he supports OpenAI and the new CEO, but he gives this crazy announcement. He says, we look forward, all right, we're extremely excited to share the news that Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, together with their colleagues, will be joining Microsoft to lead a new advanced AI research team. We, were, we look forward to moving quickly to provide them with the resources needed for their success. So in the end, Microsoft is hiring basically Sam Altman and uh, Greg Brockman to join their company for AI. Now, I don't think this is what it looks like on the surface. Some people are like, oh my gosh, they sold out to Microsoft. Microsoft, you know, um, hired, right, Sam and, and Greg. But I think there's a lot more to this to the story. And I'll share what I, what I think is the structure and incentives behind um, this. I think a new company is forming. I don't think this is simply a group within Microsoft. Um, Sam, Greg, and the whole team of OpenAI have so much leverage right now, they could start their own company, raise at a 10 or $20 billion valuation today, right? They could have $5 billion in the bank and get started with you know their new models right away in a week or so. This is the leverage that the team has. There's no way they're gonna give up all of that leverage to become like a higher team within Microsoft. I think this is actually um, the start of a whole new company that's gonna be spun off outside of Microsoft that Sam and Greg will, will lead. And I'll explain kind of uh, why I think that. All right, so Ilya Suskiver, so he was the, he's the chief scientist of OpenAI. He was uh, supposedly the, the person who was the most concerned and at odds with Sam, um, 
leading the company in his style. And now he tweets 7.15 in the morning today. He says, I deeply regret my participation in the board's actions. I never intended to harm OpenAI. I love everything we've built together and I will do everything I can to reunite the company. Yeah, I mean, it's already, <laughs> like the ship has sailed in a, in a sense. Um, I guess, yeah, he wants to try to salvage things and he's regretful, but um, yeah, it's a big question mark. This this quote, this tweet has got to be one of the tweets that I think is going to go down in history in some ways. And, you know, Ilya is amazingly thoughtful, amazingly insightful with AI. He's very in tune with, you know, the challenges and risks ahead. But I think him and the board were, I wouldn't say short-sighted, but probably didn't have the breadth and exposure of experience and knowledge to understand the, all the moving dynamics of the type of decisions that they were making. I think too, early on the board, they thought, oh yeah, just change out the CEO, right? And we'll just keep on marching ahead. Um, just change out the style of direction. I think that's what they were thinking. They didn't understand all of the relationships, the fallout, um, everything that would backfire on them. So anyways, Ilya comes up um, saying he's regretting this. And then you have a uh, letter that OpenAI employees have sent to the board. They're telling the board that the board should resign. Now, so far, 505 employees signed it this morning, but there's an update. So this is just a few minutes ago, 650 out of 770 employees signed it. And I think it's gonna probably go over 700 um, pretty soon today. And um, the letter is actually saying that, um, yeah, that the people will quit. Um, they might, they, they didn't say 100% they're all gonna join Microsoft, but they say they might join Microsoft. Um, but yeah, they're gonna leave OpenAI if the board doesn't quit. Um, this is basically almost the entire company. And most notably, at the end, you have um, Ilya was the number 12 uh, signature here, which is very shocking because he was part of the board that, and probably one of the leading voices that um, started and really pushed for the removal of Sam Altman. So a huge twist on things. All right, so let's take a step back here. And I want to explain um, a couple things. Uh, before that, let's go ahead, let's go into Elon Musk's uh, tweet he just tweeted a few minutes ago he said looks like instability.ai is still available <laughs> yeah if you think about this this is a company that's leading um the charge and the march toward agi they have the the tightest most focused team at least they had the greatest tech they're pushing forward with the best models um able to recruit almost anybody in, in the world and it just seems like it's all blown up just in a matter of a few days like you think um <laughs> things are fast, like the speed at which OpenAI basically self-destructed was unprecedented in a lot of ways. Um, and here's an OpenAI, um, actually an uh, engineer um, at OpenAI, and he's like, he's never gotten so many job offers so quickly in his life. And that's what happens when um, things explode um, with OpenAI here. All right, so I wrote this tweet and I gave kind of a reasoning on what I think happened in terms of Sam and Greg going into go, going and joining Microsoft. So here's the, the overall situation. The open AI has several kind of layers of structure behind it. Um, but at the bottom is their capped for-profit company that Microsoft has invested $13 billion in, owns 49%. As a benefit, Microsoft gets access to, micro, to open AI's IP. Uh, pre-AGI IP, meaning once they reach AGI, then it's kind of cut off that agreement. 
It also means that Microsoft likely gets access to the, the weights for GPT-4. It's possible if, if OpenAI has already trained GPT-5 internally, the base model. Um, on top of the base model, they would have to do additional training of reinforcement learning, fine-tuning, alignment, et cetera. It takes usually maybe about six to 12 months to do all that stuff and to test it and validate it. But if they have trained the base model, which I think they likely have done for GPT-5, then it's possible that Open, uh, Microsoft could actually ask and get those weights according to their agreement for GPT-5 as well. What does this mean? It means that if Sam and Greg join Microsoft as so-called AI to form a new AI research team, they can have access to the weights of GPT-5. So what does that mean? What are the weights of a neural net? It's basically a neural net will have trillions of parameters and each parameter will basically have a certain weight that it's given um, and all of the weights put together form basically the capacity and the performance of this big neural net. It's, it's the most important valuable part of the neural net. You could go ahead and use that. Uh, you can shrink the model, change the model, fine tune the model. You could use that to create new models in a sense. Um, it's extremely valuable. And if you know the architecture of how that neural net was formed, all of the layers, and if you have access to the data, you know what data went into it and how it was structured, all that, then you can replicate that model quite relatively straightforward. Um, so what's happening is Microsoft with the IP and the legal right to right, OpenAI's IP pre-AGI, they're gonna get the weights and the things they need from OpenAI probably for even for GPT-5. Sam and Greg join Microsoft, they're off to the races. Microsoft says to Sam and Greg, this is speculation now, you guys can have as much compute as you want. We'll give you priority even over OpenAI or whatever, just as much as you want. Um, uh, billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars of compute, that's fine. So Sam and Greg now have all of the compute they want. They've got the IP from OpenAI because Microsoft gets it. And now they've got the, the team from OpenAI because you know, the vast majority, over half of OpenAI's employees will likely join Sam and Greg in this new venture inside Microsoft. So they have the team, they have the, the compute, um, they've got the IP, uh, the data, Microsoft has a lot of the data too, or access to it, so they can recreate a lot of that data as well. They know what went into the data. They have all the pieces to basically go off and just, they're off to the races. There's barely a hiccup. Sure, there's going to be a few to several months kind of lag time where they get everything up and running, but they've got all of the pieces. Compare this or contrast this to if Sam and um, Greg had to start a new company. They would have to raise billions of dollars. We're talking about GPT-5 level compute, probably being, you know, I would guess this is billions of dollars worth of, of training compute to train this model. They have to raise that. They have to give away a ton of equity to investors anyways, and they would lose a large part of the company through that as well. And they would be a few years behind, probably at least two or three years behind because they don't have the IP. They would have to recreate all of that from scratch, even though they ha would have the people. So if you weigh the two situations, the downside of joining Microsoft is you don't get ownership, let's say, right? But you get the speed, you get everything to, to march toward AGI as fast as you can. So what I think Satya did and offered, what he offered Sam and Greg is, he said, Sam and Greg, join Microsoft, we'll create a new team. You have access to all of OpenAI's right, IP through our agreement. You have access to unlimited compute, basically. Bring over whoever you want. And here's the kicker, I will let you spin off a new company anytime you want. 
right? So you can spin off the company and you will own 60% of the company, you and your employees and whoever you choose. Microsoft will keep just 40% of the company. I think for Sam and Greg, this was basically an offer they felt they couldn't, re uh, they couldn't refuse. It was a no-brainer in the sense because they're gonna have to give away at least 40% of the company to investors over a couple of years because they're gonna have to raise billions and billions of dollars for all of the compute power and you know, the, the personnel and everything required to train these huge models. So they're gonna have to give away all of this money anyways, or all of the, a lot of the equity. Here, Microsoft is offering not just the same or even better equity terms than they would have gotten right starting their own company, but Microsoft is offering the IP access right to OpenAI's weights and et cetera, um, unlimited compute. It's such a, a simple, clean deal in a sense from Sam and Greg's point of view, in my opinion, right? This is all speculation, of course. So what's the end result here? I said the end result here is Microsoft owns 49% of OpenAI, right? And they own perhaps 40% even more. Who knows what the exact terms are? Uh, they probably won't even be made public, right? But they own uh, probably a large chunk of the new venture that Sam and Greg are starting and that will be spinned off, right, outside of Microsoft. So it, wh whoever gets AGI first, whether it's OpenAI or uh, Sam and Greg's new spinoff off of Microsoft, Microsoft wins. They own a large part of that. And that's a huge benefit. Satya and the shareholders are happy. Uh, what did Microsoft have to give up? Probably not much, you know? They just keep, they're, they're investing, right? CompuPower, um, it's a no-brainer deal, deal for Microsoft, I think. Uh, what do Sam and Greg get? They get basically their own company, um, a, a spin-off company, whenever they want to spin it off. But in the meantime, they get access to OpenAI's IP and the ability to not miss a beat, right? To, to accelerate the transition or their reaching AGI as soon as possible. Um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of the arrangement um, I'm thinking of what happened. And um, I want to talk about a little bit about um, implications of what all this means. Um, and then I'll go ahead and, and ask, uh, answer some questions and we'll talk about some of this stuff more. So Let's take a step back. So what does this all mean in the bigger picture of AI and the future of AGI and society and everything? So we know AI and AGI, the march to AGI is a hugely important development and it's gonna be a huge milestone, a turning point in the history of, of humanity. OpenAI was the current leader, was the leader by far, probably at least two years ahead of anyone else out there, maybe two to three years or so. Um, you look at GPT-4, this is not their current technology. That current technology is behind closed doors, right? And um, the thing, the advantage that OpenAI had was their focus. They were extremely tight, extremely nimble, lean, um, efficient, and their goals were so clear. They had this combination where Sam, Greg, Sam ultimately brought this ambition, this aggressive kind of pace to things. Greg brought this amazing kind of relational operational skill to the whole operation. And he was able to work with the team and others. And Ilya brought this amazing kind of like um, neural net um, genius mindset where he understood neural nets better than probably almost anyone out there. And he was able to really steer the ship technologically in, the, in this direction toward AGI. When you put all of this together, you had this almost unstoppable force of a, of a company, and you had others that were trying to get or uh, try to vie for second place, etc. But 
OpenAI had a clear dominant first place lead here. So much so that even it could recruit the likes of Andre Karpathy, right, from Tesla. I mean, that's how strong OpenAI's focus, mission, commitment, and execution was. Now, what the, all of this shows in this past few days was everything blew up over the implications of how serious AGI is and will become. Meaning once we get AGI, it could lead to the spiral effect of artificial intelligence, the amount of artificial intelligence basically getting to a point where it'll eventually equal the amount of human intelligence in the world and then eventually eclipse the total amount of every human's intelligence combined. It eclipses that point, but then rapidly and almost in an unlimited sense uh, increases where it's just like a, ho a hockey stick of uh, intelligence. And when that happens, you get these AI agents these super AI um, data centers that will be able to do almost any job that a human can do, even if the job requires thousands of thousands of complex, uh, challenging tasks involved. So when you look at this type of uh, future that we're getting closer and closer to, who controls this future is extremely important. What direction it goes and what's the nature of this AGI? Is it um, partnering with humans? Uh, who is able to steer it? Who's able to control it? Is it um, concentrated in its control or is it diversified, um, spread out? And there are many questions over this. Uh, last night I was watching actually a video um, clip from Ilya and I actually uh, suggest um, being open-minded and, and watching stuff from both sides um, to understand a lot of you know issues and things at hand. I've watched a ton of interviews from um, Ilya and Sam Altman and Greg as well, um, yeah, I got to see them in action. Um, actually, all of them in Seoul, Korea, when on their trip, um, they they let they had a talk, but they also had this a uh, kind of this cool uh, developer um, meeting with like thirty uh, people um, in Seoul, Korea, where they were graciously all of them actually were sharing like uh, an hour about just question answers about their um, what they're doing, and I, I all of them just had you know, a lot of um, sincerity toward that. But last night I was watching this um, this video here um, by The Guardian explaining, or Ilya kind of explains his view on the risks of, of AI. And in this video, he kind of shares his idea of the future where he thinks there's gonna be data centers where uh, with that, that host, right, these crazy AGI um, AI agents, and they will be powered by let's say solar farms, I could power 10 million homes or so. And I was doing the calculations last night of 10 million homes of power, like how many solar panels would that be? Um, and how many, how, how many GPUs would that take, would that power? And what kind of, what's the size and scale of that type of right, data center, right? That could power 10 million homes. Um, translate that into GPUs, translate into compute power, translate that into the size of the, of, of the AI agent. And what we're talking about is we're talking about AI that is literally thousands of times bigger, more powerful, you know, more energy hungry than anything else we know right now, right? Um, and this is the exponential growth of, of, of AI, of, of AGI. This is what Ilya is very, very concerned about. But it also shows that this is what's at stake um, in terms of the future of AI. And who holds right, the, the direction is extremely important. So anyways, OpenAI blows up, 
we have Microsoft clearly benefiting from this because now they have stakes in OpenAI, 49%, and they have stakes in whatever Sam and Greg decided to do with, let's say, a new venture that's going to spin off, I think, out of Microsoft. Google now is encouraged in some ways because now OpenAI, the clear leader, is in disarray. Now there's a slot where Google can step in and actually take uh, more uh, market share. X XAI, Elon's company, also has to be somewhat encouraged in some way because they're like, whoa, now OpenAI is, is proven to be fallible, right? Proven to be mortal in some ways. And we have a chance and it probably encourages them to speed up things as well as other players in the market as well. Also, the instability that's caused by this is causing the whole personnel team, OpenAI's team, to be up for grabs, meaning all of these companies can now vie and give offers to the best people in OpenAI. And all of this talent in OpenAI, sure, some of, a lot of it will follow Sam and, and Greg, but some of it will be dispersed. And that knowledge that OpenAI had that was very focused and concentrated and behind closed doors a lot, it would be it'll be spread out amongst more organizations. So overall, what we're gonna see is we're gonna see, I think number one, perhaps a slight slowing down um, temporarily over the next one or two years because Sam and Greg will have to restart things a bit um, at Microsoft, but then it could speed up because they have you know the same focus, same people. But you have a window of opportunity where you have now Google and XAI and others that can step in, try to double down, uh, get new personnel, uh, new knowledge and expertise from OpenAI to, to bolster their efforts. And so you have somewhat more of a spread out ecosystem of companies and talent that are vying for OpenAI. And the bigger picture, um, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting development. Uh, it could be, you know, it, there's pros and cons. The, the concerning part is that Microsoft is consolidating control over OpenAI and also perhaps this new venture from Sam and Greg. And so if OpenAI comes from one of those two, Microsoft will control it or will have a big, big say in it. Um, but on the flip side, it gives a chance for Google and XAI, XAI and others to, to, to step in and actually be a major player in all of this. All right, guys, I want to go ahead and answer some questions. We'll talk about this more and its implications. Um, If you have a question and want to join in on this discussion, go ahead, uh, type in um, question, all caps, uh, colon, and go ahead and, and write your question. Corky uh, Goss says, will close AI win? Yeah, I mean, people, a lot of times people are framing the, the battle of AI as kind of this open source versus closed source. And that is, you know, one way to look at it. I mean, open source has a lot of momentum right now, especially, but they don't have access to the, to the same types of resources that closed source have in terms of the scale, the, res the, the amount of compute and, and the scale of the models that, that, that are being developed closed source, right? With, let's say with open AI. Um, the advantage that op open source has is, um, there are more people, um, more efforts, and they're making much more progress on the other end, on smaller models that can be so much more efficient, and they're making more progress than closed companies are on that end. Now that expands, and it will expand to becoming to close to open source with even bigger models. Will it ever reach a point where it could be open source for the largest models out there? I don't know, that's a big question mark. I think one, a different angle to look at it also is through the lens of a business model or through economics. And there's a cycle that needs to happen where because these models 
are going to require tens of billions of dollars, perhaps even more. Who knows how much compute power in 10 or 15 years the largest models will need to train. But it needs the funding to train the models and to grow the models, make them better. So you need usage. You need product or services where people use to pay and that you use those operating profits to fund in and invest in new compute power, right? So you need that of kind of this virtuous cycle. Um, it's a business model problem in a sense too. That's kind of the challenge. Cl open source has their own business model, but the, the closed source in terms of having a tight model that can fund, let's say tens of billions of dollars for a specific model, it seems to have a, a, a stronger kind of historical precedent, right? For that working and that's why in some ways, I think open source will be great, will have amazing wins, but also closed source also has a lot going for it in terms of its um, possible kind of future um, training large models. Um, yeah, uh, Gear says, how much did Microsoft pay the OpenAI board to fire Sammy? Yeah, some people were speculating, oh, you know, Microsoft orchestrated this or Sam and others behind the scene. It was too chaotic and too crazy. And the, the pace was just too insane. Unless you had like GPT-6 or something, you know, creating um, the most craziest scenario possible. That, But otherwise, yeah, it's just, um, I don't think there was a malplay in terms of um, what happened. I think it really was the board, OpenAI's board, got very concerned about the future of AI. They just thought it was a simple leadership change. They didn't think it would explode into anything big. And I think part of it is you would think that the board would have better sense, um, awareness of what the implications to their actions. But a lot of times some people don't, like some people just aren't that aware of their actions and its impact toward others, especially, you know, like, you know, um, yeah, people like have certain personalities and certain like um, uh, issues where it challenges where they can be limited in their ability to process their actions or their outcome, their impact of their actions to others. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my best explanation in terms of why the board did what they did. Um, yeah, essentially Microsoft bought OpenAI at a 51% discount. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it, it, it actually bought OpenAI at a 51% discount. It, it's keeping a stake in OpenAI. OpenAI now becomes the option call for Microsoft in case OpenAI develops HEI or progresses. But Microsoft basically bought an option call on a new company, right? On a spinoff off of OpenAI. And this is Sam and uh, Greg Brockman's new company. I think that will be spinned off. And Microsoft now has this option call to have a large stake um, in that company. And it's a masterful move. In a sense, like Satya Nadella from uh, Microsoft, this guy, I mean, he not only is he executing right at Microsoft in amazing fashion, I mean, that company is just rolling like, um, like, like very few that size can. And if you analyze, I've, I've analyzed, like I looked through all of their quarterly reports for the past several years, and this company like knows what it's doing, right? And it's not just that, he's actually taking some big bets, right? And a lot of companies are, have been faltering with AI and they don't know what to do or they're just slow to their feet. But Satya Nadella, he's like, honestly, he understands where this is headed. He's willing to take a big bet here and there and he does it, right? Um, one of the interesting 
arrangements with OpenAI and Microsoft was that Microsoft owns 49% of OpenAI, invested 13 billion, and they get access to, to, to OpenAI's IP up until AGI. So once OpenAI achieves AGI, then that IP sharing agreement dissolves. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, even with that type of agreement, most companies wouldn't take that, right? You want kind of ownership share ongoing, but Mike, but Satya Nadella, he's like, even if, right, they achieve um, AGI soon and we're, we don't have that IP anymore, all of the IP up until AGI is going to help Microsoft develop their own AGI, right? And they get 49% still of OpenAI's, like, you know, cap company as well. So it's a win-win for Satya, Satya Nadella because he thinks in kind of like these big terms and he looks at these option calls and what's going to happen in the future if you play this out and, and the outcomes. Um, smart guy. Um, yeah, interesting guy. Microsoft, I mean, I know that the things might not have been completely formalized yet with Sam and Greg, but it looks like that's, this is where it's all headed. If it is, then OpenAI or, or Microsoft, yeah, has, has es essentially um, done a master move here. You know, This is like Satya Nadella on a different level in terms of his orchestrating um, Microsoft's navigation in the world of AI. And think about how difficult it is to do as I think, Microsoft's valuation right now, it's a, between two and $3 trillion, I believe, at $2.8 trillion. This company is not a, it's not like a $100 million company or $500 million company. This is a multi-trillion dollar company, tens of thousands of employees, hundreds of different projects, teams. It's a, it's a mess. Yet in, the, in this crazy mess and chaos, most CEOs would just be busy maintaining the bureaucracy, right? Just ma maintaining the status quo. Satya Nadella has the, the foresight, the, the awareness to understand the implications of what's happening this weekend. He dives into it in person um, to negotiate all this stuff. He's, he's the main, one of the main negotiators in all of this. He comes up with a solution that Microsoft wins. Um, Sam wins um, and, and his team in some ways, even though you know it's, it's, a, it's a mess, but um, yeah, the, the level of negotiating power and, you know, the, the way he thinks is definitely to be commended. Um, yeah, I think uh, Peter Levels, uh, the founder of Nomad List, he tweeted this morning, he's investing 100000 into Microsoft because he thinks that they're going to be the first AGI now. Um, yeah, it definitely makes sense. My wife was, was saying this morning, are there any, like, ethical questions in terms of investing into Microsoft now that, let's say, they, they are taking on a lot of the OpenAI team, including right Sam and Greg, I think there is some questions where you have to look at the the significance of this technology. Do you think it's really the pivot point of humanity, and how important is it to steward this in the right way in the right direction? There, and then you need to ask yourself: Is this company right the right structure? Do they have the right motives, the right moral compass and value and paradigm to? to be on board right, with that type of investment. So I think it is a special investment. It's, no, it's not just investing into a hamburger stand or something or some other normal company. This is, uh, a comp this is technology that has um, huge implications right, for, the, for, for the history of humanity, for everybody involved. And I think it, there are ethical questions and moral questions, value questions that uh, people uh, will ask and need to ask um, while investing.
All right, Ron Massa says, uh, is a real-world AI more or less valuable than LLMs or large language models, considering that the end result of LLMs seems to be HEI? And what is the end goal or ultimate result of a real-world foundation model, um, in your opinion? Yeah, so this is, um, there's different thoughts on this. This is, I mean, it's an interesting um, uh, uh, topic here, where there are, there's one angle where you could say that, um, there eventually will just be one model, meaning the neural nets will, or the neural net, right, the brain will become so big and so capable and so crazy in its abilities where you don't need to separate, you know, LLMs and real world and all this other stuff. It's just, it just works just like the human brain works, right? The human brain um, is able to understand language, talk, write, draw, see, run, you know, pick up things and do all of that with one brain. And so there is an angle where, yeah, uh, at a certain point, AI, and if you think about it, yeah, if, if there's a data center that has like millions of GPUs powered by, you know, billions of solar panels, think about how many solar panels we require to power 10 million households, right? That powers a data center, with millions of GPUs, that basically run a neural net. Um, you can make an argument that that type of neural net um, would have the capacity to do almost anything, both physical and mentally, right? That a human could do. On the flip side, you can make another argument though. You could say that it's gonna take a long time to get to that point. You could say that the, the pathway to knowledge and to, this, to language, to be able to talk, write, logic, uh, reason, all this stuff is very, very different than the neural pathways and the, and the neural nets required to navigate the physical world. And you can take animals versus humans as an analogy here, where you can say, look, animals don't have the ability to have these advanced language and communication reasoning skills, yet they're able to navigate and completely function, right, in the physical world. Therefore, you could say you need a different type of neural net than a language learning, language, a large language model. So you can make an argument that there are gonna be these two types of neural nets for quite a while, and they might be intersections, there will be intersections, meaning the la large language models will be able to do some of the physical real world things. And the physical real world models, AI models, they'll be able to do some of the large language model things, but they're not optimized for that task, right? They're two different kind of goals and missions for those models. And they need to be good at what they need to be good at. Therefore, they focus on that. And it could be many, many years before these models eventually join into kind of a bigger model. It, um, yeah, many years. So in that sense, um, yeah, which one is more or less valuable? It's like you can make an argument that large language models are more valuable because they deal with knowledge work and reasoning, language, et cetera, with the things that are most um closer to what we call intelligence, right? The ability to create things, new inventions, new factories, new ideas, all this stuff. So you can make an argument that LLMs or large language models are more valuable, but you can also make an argument that they're easier to do um, because the pathways are pretty much straightforward, meaning you need large amounts of data, large amounts of compute and the talent to bring that all together. And, and you scale the neural net uh, with, with a ton of parameters and data and you're able to achieve amazing performances. Um, there'll be a time, I think, where that kind of slows down and we need to come up with more novel, interesting techniques um, to scale the performances of these large language models. But yeah, to this point, it, it's, it, it's more of a, um, 
accessible in terms of its development than what a physical real world AI model is right now. That's extremely, extremely difficult right now. The, the amount of data are on a different level because it's video um, and it requires a, a, a much less latency, a, a much more local inference power. There, it's a different beast in a sense. And so, and you could also make an argument that if the physical real world AI models are solved, then you can have a, a unleashing of robots that in a, in a way that we've never seen before in the history of the world, right? Robots that basically do anything, almost everything that a human can do physically. If that happens, that unleashes a whole new type of economy, a new whole type of economic transaction where it's no longer human-derived products and services, but now you have robot-derived human, right, or service products and services, and that could perhaps, you know, self-improve um, over time. And if you combine that with the LLM, then you've got kind of this whole crazy world going on. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's per se one's more valuable than the other. It's, I think both are important. Both will enable kind of robots to awaken, right? And become these super agents in the physical world. Um, LLMs are happening a bit quicker right now. Um, it's just more straightforward. The discoveries just happened faster together. And part of that is you could do it all virtually locally. Like the AI research community is global, right? You have thousands, tens of thousands of researchers doing interesting novel ideas and techniques and all this brought together, um, it, it happened first, right? With more of the knowledge domain, but it's going to expand um, into the physical domain as well. Um, Elon must be hiring, uh, busy hiring new talent right now. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's every AI company right now. I mean, if you have the chance to hire some of the best minds at OpenAI, I mean, you're taking that opportunity, right? And you're not going to force them. Obviously, you, like no one's going to, you know, be forced to to join a new company. You're 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 offering the opportunity. You say, hey, consider us. Here's what we have to offer, etc. We'd love to, you know, work with you. And yeah, any competent AI company right now is is very, very busy this week um, uh, talking with, with, with lots of people um, at OpenAI. Uh, when is my prediction for when AGI will occur? Um, I, I'm looking at more like a spectrum where I think we are in emerging AGI right now, where, a, where artificial intelligence has begun to do a lot of tasks better than humans, right? We have a lot of writing tasks. Like think about what AI could do on a topic, give it a topic to write about, right? Talk about the fall, the, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire um, in a thousand words. Can AI do a better job at that writing than the average human? Like, definitely, right? Take, um, uh, you know, a, a five-page scientific paper or something and summarize it in a hundred words, you know, with the, its, you know, main points, three main points. Can AI do a better job than human can do with that? Than the average human, right? Sure, there might be like much better humans do be able to understand and articulate, but the average human, yes, definitely, right? There are many tests that we have right now where AI can do a better job than the average human with knowledge tasks, right? So what I consider what we have right now is we do have AGI in the sense we have emerging AGI, we have this baby AGI that's able to do certain tasks better than humans, and it's growing very, very fast in its ability. Think about what. AI could do in terms of photos now or, or images, right? Draw me a picture of a horse. Um, can AI draw a picture of a horse better than an average human? Yeah, definitely, right? That's another 
tasks. I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands, but what's interesting is thousands and thousands of these tasks every day are being you know, overtaken in terms of AI is able to do better than an average human at, and we're seeing this transition before our eyes. I think sometimes we get a little distracted where we say, oh, when is quote unquote AGI coming? No, it's here. The process is here. AGI is a process where AI is going to be taking one by one all of these things that humans can do um, that we thought we're the only ones could do, but could do better than the average human. And it'll just take one by one. Eventually what's going to happen is it's going to take harder and harder tasks, but groups of tasks, like chain chains of tasks, meaning you have 10 tasks, like they might be unrelated, but you have to do them all together to achieve an outcome. AI is, AI is going to be able to do that. And eventually we're headed toward a world where AI takes jobs, meaning you have thousands of challenging, complex tax tasks to do a job or occupation, right? And AI is going to be able to do that. That's what we're talking about, where we're talking about more complex AGI. Right, AGI that's able to take occupations from humans. So anyways, we're in the process of AGI right now and it's it's growing um, and I'm not sure what can, I mean, this is progressing, it's, it's going fast. And um, yeah. Uh, what will Sam create next? All ideas have been mostly tried by people till then. <laughs> yeah, actually AI is, is opening up new possibilities and new things. Um, um, just building off of what OpenAI has already done, right? And going into a GPT-5 and 6 and 7. One of the big problems with AI is reliability, where when it hallucinates, you're not sure if you can trust this model. Um, and if you aren't sure you can trust this model, you can't reliably use the model for, for consequential things and decisions. But as reliability increases, you're able to rely on that model, on AI more and more with important things to the point where Eventually, in the future, we're going to be able to rely on AI in a very, very reliable manner, manner and that will allow for this prolif proliferation of usage in terms of what AI can be used for. And so, yeah, I mean, the overall theme is, is as performance increases, reliability increases, usage increases, applications increase. And with reliability, you also get the ability to chain together multiple tasks into the occupation level ability for AI. And so, yeah, we're just in the beginning of, of the march toward AGI or what the full completion of AGI will be, which is insane. Um, when will the first AGI be made available to the public? Again, as I was saying, we have emerging AGI, check out GPT-4, make stuff compared to what you can do or what the average human can do on a lot of topics or, or tasks, and you'll see that it does a lot better. Um, and the next frontiers are, are expanding how many tasks and combining those tasks into um, job level or occupation level stuff. Um, question, perhaps XAI can recruit uh, Ilya and others from OpenAI. Yeah, you know, I think they're gonna be able to recruit some people. I think it's gonna be a, a diaspora of some sorts where a large majority will follow Sam um, and Greg, but other companies will be able to pick up some people too. Not everyone will want to go to Microsoft. But if my speculation is correct and Satya Nadella has given the promise where Sam and Greg can spin off a new company and get majority ownership of that new company anytime they want, then what I think um, is going to happen is that I'll, that will be attractive to a lot of OpenAI employees because now they get to join this new company and get equity in this new venture, right? That gets spun off of Microsoft. So it's going to be a compelling thing. I think Sam and Greg are, are smart guys. They're not going to do something that's like doesn't make sense to them. 
and they're going to be able to articulate it in a way that's very compelling to the OpenAI team. So yeah, I would expect the vast majority to follow actually Sam and um, uh, Greg to the company, but a lot of others, there'll be some notable characters or people that will not follow and will not, will be kind of shunned away from Microsoft, not, not very um, interested in working with Microsoft. One question is what will um, Andre Karpathy do? He knows now the inner workings of, of OpenAI's latest projects across the board and as well as Tesla's latest projects, at least, you know, up until maybe 18 months ago. So, you know, where is he going to go? Where is he going to take that knowledge and expertise? And there are many others like that as well. Um, shall we announce FSC V12 during Cybertruck unveiling in India this time? Um, yeah, V12 will get its own kind of rollout when it's ready to roll out. It's too important to kind of rush it or to try to time it with another thing. It doesn't, I think, need its uh, to to be joined together with the Cybertruck unveiling, in my opinion. Uh, question, if self-improving AGI is achieved, um, wouldn't one of its first tasks be to make itself much more efficient so that it's not so reliant on energy and resources? Yeah, so that is um, actually one of the big uh, research tasks for AI researchers right now. And it's been ongoing for many, many years. It's just improving the efficiency of AI and it's the neural nets. But what's kind of the, what my understanding is, uh, is there's kind of this, this rule that this trend where the larger the neural nets and the more data you feed it, the, the better the, the performance is. But you need huge amounts of data and huge amounts of compute to train that. Um, but once it's trained, then what they, what they do is they go through that model and they make it much more efficient. They make it run faster locally. They, make, they, they might shrink the weights they, or the parameters. They might, um, and you could use AI to do that. You could use AI to go through your model and to, to kind of emulate the model, but in a more efficient manner. Right? And they, they did that recently with um, OpenAI's uh, speech-to-text model, Whisper, where they're able to, to shrink the model by I think five times or so, or six times, uh, they get similar performance. And you're basically emulating the original model, trying to get close to it, and um, you're able to do it with a lot less right, parameters and data. So this will happen, um, but it doesn't mean that they, don't, they won't be training larger and larger models, because that's what you do, and then you shrink them. And later on, you could probably don't have to go be as aggressive, but you get more performance because you'll have novel, interesting techniques. But yeah, AI is slowly being used. I want to say slowly. It's 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 rapidly being used to improve the AI models themselves already. At a certain point, can it be autonomous, autonomously self-improving? Meaning, can it just improve by itself without humans in the loop? And and that's definitely possible too um, at a certain level, right, of AGI. And that's where people are talking about the possibilities of artificial superintelligence or ASI, right? That's where you have this runaway intelligence um, that AI, the AI just improves itself without humans needing to be involved. Um, I see Ilya as a signatory number 12 on the letter of 505 open AI employees demanding that board's resignation has he re already resigned. So yeah, the letter from open AI employees, my understanding is they haven't resigned yet. They're, they're threatening the board, right? To say that if you don't resign, if the board doesn't resign, then everyone, all of us will resign. So uh, Ilya is one of those signatories of the, of the letter. So yeah, this is a, a saga that's ongoing, meaning uh, lots will happen. My video might be outdated um, <laughs> later today. I might need to do a new live stream. But this is kind of the thought process, the information that we have right now. Um, and I think it's still worthwhile to go through what's happened and to reflect 
and to think about it and discuss it because it gives you more insight into what happens next. So you can understand right the things that happen next um, with more kind of um, uh, angles and objectiveness. Uh, Microsoft stock price increased only 1.6% now. What do you think about the market response? Yeah, the, mic the market is not trying to forecast kind of like five years down the road, Microsoft's dominant position with, you know, AI, et cetera. They're looking more as like, what is the operating profits, right, revenue growth, et cetera, in the next one to two years, right? And, yeah, they're more, you know, they have a different mindset and a different angle on what's important for them. And as long as like it doesn't hurt Microsoft's revenue and price, like you're not going to see a huge drop. And as long as it doesn't totally, you know, increase Microsoft's revenue and operating profits, et cetera, you're not going to see a huge jump, I think. Um, but the possibilities are, yeah, if um, Microsoft has this dominant or one of the best positions for AGI, they're, they're in, they're, they're in a great position to, to benefit um, uh, market cap wise and profit wise for, from that. Uh, question, can OpenAI sell its IP to companies other than Microsoft? Yeah, I mean, uh, to my knowledge, they, they could, um, but it doesn't make sense because they're wanting to kind of control the progress of how their IP, IP progresses. They had to do it for Microsoft to get the investment they needed for the compute power, but I don't think they're interested in doing that. Uh, they're, they're, wanting, they're wanting to sell their IP, API access, right, to GPT-4 and feature uh, large language models. And that's going very well from, uh, for, AP, uh, for OpenAI as well. Um, will Microsoft get into making AI chips and even get back into making phones, home assistants? Yeah, uh, Microsoft did announce uh, they were making a, a, a neural net chip. It's more low power right now, but it's probably going to signify their launch into more of that hardware. It's just too big of a field um, um, in the future. And will they make more phones or home assistants? Possibly. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we're going to see, I think, a proliferation of interesting hardware you know, devices and integrations of AI in the future. Can you see Andre uh, Karpathy returning to Tesla or joining X, XAI? I think Andre has one of the most difficult jobs here. You know, he he's he's a leader in the field. He's has he's has more insight into more companies than others. Um, he's worked with lots of different leaders, and so I don't know if I see him really jumping into this Microsoft venture and following Sam and Greg to this new company. I would imagine you know Andre either stays or go somewhere else. I don't know if Tesla or XAI will be it. Um, we'll see. It'll be an interesting thing to watch, uh, definitely, with Andre. Um, Clark Johnson, can we trust Microsoft to care about humanity? Yeah, this is a question mark. And I think it's beyond, for example, the current leadership. I Meaning you could look at Satya Nadella and the Microsoft CEO. You could look at Sam Altman and you say, oh yeah, they're great people. Um, I like them. They're going to steward AGI well. But a lot of times like stuff is fickle, meaning like CEOs out. Uh, what's important is the shareholders and who they vote into the board. Right? The board is calling the shots in terms of they can fire the CEO anytime. 
install a new CEO, but then the board is held beholden to the shareholders, right? Meaning the shareholders will demand and they can replace the board. So ultimately it's up to the shareholders, but who owns the company? Who are the shareholders of Microsoft, right? Um, do we even know exactly like, like the makeup, right? And it's you know made up of a lot of institutional investors, right? A lot of big funds, institutional invest investors with lots of billions of dollars, index funds, et cetera. And if you look at it from a long enough picture, that's who controls the board, who controls the CEO, controls the company, controls the direction of AGI. So yeah, do you trust you know, Wall Street <laughs> with the future of AGI? That's a big question mark, right? Um, what does Wall Street care about, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's not too, uh, it's not too um, confusing or complicated to to answer that question. And if you are, you know, driven by by profit and growth and investment, and that's what drives right your decisions for the board and CEO and guidance of the company and the future of AGI, um, it can be concerning. Um, on the flip side, you have this interesting mechanism of competition where the market economy and the market system capitalism allows for new companies to to get investments for people to switch jobs right to leave and to join new companies to to and you have innovation to to come up and technology isn't beholden or captured let's say just by one company it could be you know spread through determination innovation investment etc so you have the opportunity for other companies now to have their own ais so i don't know it, it's a complicated question um, um how concerned do we need to be about microsoft um i think there's should might be a level of concern that's valid, but also um, what are the other companies doing, right, to in their kind of missions toward AGI and what are their governance structures? Are, is it any different, right? And OpenAI tried in the beginning to do a nonprofit governance structure, but it kind of got all you know mixed up and confusing, didn't work out in the end. So what is, right, the, the structure? Um, yeah, I just hope it just isn't nationalized, you know, this technology. I mean, that would probably be the worst because um, the government, uh, the level of incompetent, incompetence that some governments have showed throughout history um, is just absolutely um, mind-blowing. So, yeah, I don't know if that's what we want. Outside of economic and energy sectors, does AI, does AI have any impact in the medical arena? I mean, we're talking about everything in the medical arena being impacted by AI, right? All the way from triaging to people to conversing like like the levels of prevention right that people can just do by talking with ai to to handle symptoms and things early as possible like that's going to be huge also monitoring if we can have a combination of of more monitoring of health device health status like conditions combine that with ai you can see more real-time um, assessments we have a proliferation of, of research where ai is going to be used to to come up with novel vaccines, medications, approaches, et cetera. Um, the whole field of, a, of, med of medicine is, is gonna change radically. Just think about, imagine if you had like a, a thousand times more brains in the med medicine field, or, or even, let's go further. Let's say you have a million times more brains in the medicine. Okay, so give you some perspective. Let's say you had um, a million people working in medicine this is hypothetical, obviously, all the numbers. 
Um, but let's say you took the million and you, all of a sudden you had a trillion people working in medicine for new cures. Right? What would happen to the rate of cures and to what the field of medicine does? It would just go completely berserk, right? Like hockey stick up. And that's you know, what likely will happen with the impact of AI uh, in the medical arena. Um, question, have you ever looked at recursion pharmaceuticals, RxRx? Um, no, I haven't um, in terms of what they have done. Um, yeah, thanks for the, for the, the tip there. Does humanity care about humanity or do, do anti-humans run the show? Guesses, welcomed here. Uh, he means anti-humans, uh, humans. Um, yeah, lots of, yeah. Uh, well, how much do we know about the other board members, like directors other than Sam, Greg, and Ilya? Clearly, Ilya has temporarily reconciled with Sam and Greg to unify open AI. Yeah, I mean, the other board members, one is um, the co-founder of, of Quora, Adam, and then there's two others, Helen Toner, another person that aren't very... Uh, they're not very, they're not public figures. There's kind of more AI researchers from my knowledge. So yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder, um, yeah, if Ilya is already sided, right, with Sam and Greg, um, I would expect there could be some big changes coming up in the next couple of days too. So um, yeah, I don't think the saga is over. Uh, question your thoughts on very smart people who lack wisdom. I mean, that is actually one of my big concerns for AI is, is what are the chances and probabilities that smart people who lack wisdom, who lack awareness, empathy, slash kind of, I don't say common sense, but some other values, but they're very, very smart that they get to determine the future of HEI and the future of humanity, you know, the impact of HEI on humanity. Um, yeah, a lot is at stake here um, in terms of what happens. Uh, Tony Turd Ferguson says Microsoft cannot be uh, trusted. If Sam and Greg formed a new company themselves, where would they get sufficient compute? Isn't the main reason to work with Microsoft rapid access to compute resources? That is one of the reasons because, see, Sam and Greg, if they formed a new company, they could raise billions of dollars, use that money to for compute, but they'll still be behind because they don't have the IP and they still can't afford the compute level that, let's say, you know, OpenAI has with their revenue source of ChatGPT and all that. I mean, they would have to recreate a lot of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I think compute resources is a, one of the big reasons, but access to OpenAI's IP is another big reason to join Microsoft. And the third kicker is Microsoft give, gives them, I think, the option to spin off um, their own company at any time and take majority ownership. I think that's the kicker that's not being talked about. Uh, why is Dave wrong? Ilya is actually the most important person at OpenAI. He is the actual brain. You can watch Elon's interview with Lex where he says this. Yeah, no, I, I actually affirm that Ilya is one of the most important people at OpenAI. I mean, he has been, he's like the chief scientist at OpenAI. He has been at the forefront of so many uh, breakthroughs and discoveries with AI over the past 15 years. I mean, this guy is a legend, um, super, super important, but at a certain level, it takes a team and many people to, to get things done. Um, so yeah, no, he is definitely uh, super important um, 
and yeah, he's one of the persons now signing the, the, the letter, right, to, for the board to resign, which he was part of the board with Sam and Greg. They made up half the board. Sam, Greg, and Ilya were the three open AI employees part of the board. The other three weren't even part of the board. Now all three are telling the board to resign, and it's like, it's insane. Um, uh, do you think that AI will attain artificial emotional intelligence? Yeah, I mean, again, this goes into these more philosophical questions of, of what is human, do, do, do humans have something beyond what can be explained beyond, like is emotional intelligence, is it just something that can be computed and, and mimicked and created through kind of um, observation or is there something else that is the source of emotional intelligence, right? Um, like a soul or what is a soul, right? These are many questions that um, people have been struggling with for thousands of years, but are much more pertinent and important as we right, uh, address and think about AI. Dave is back with Avengers, love it. And you know what's interesting is like, I've been heavy, heavy, heavy into AI, right? The past year um, with ChatGPT. ChatGPT in um, uh, beginning of December was a wake up moment. Like I've been spending like majority of my days uh, working on this stuff. And some people are like, oh, Dave is a, you know, has, has, isn't talking about Tesla enough, but no, you, you, you go with what the most important things are, I think. Eventually they all intersect or there's, there's some bigger piece in the picture. This is why you know, OpenAI and Tesla, they're not too far apart in, in, in what's happening. You're, there's bigger stuff happening than just a single singular company, right? Meaning there are bigger trends and what's happening with AI and the march to AGI, whether it's large language models, real world AI, all this stuff, it's all interconnected. And to go to dive deep into it, I think it's a it's it's crucial to to in order to get clarity with what's going on with anything, right, in the field. Question, what happens to ChatGPT and OpenAI from here? Um, I think ChatGPT goes on, OpenAI goes on, even though they lose a lot of the people. I mean, it depends how many people leave, right? If half the people leave, I think OpenAI still continues decently okay. It's gonna be slower. They're gonna have a harder time raising money. The progress with their next models are, is gonna slow down rapidly and they'll become one of the top five players, right? If less, if like something happens where, where you know, 75% of people stay, that's a better scenario for OpenAI. If 75% of people leave, now you're talking about, yeah, ChatGPT, OpenAI, really suffering some big, big uh, hurdles ahead. Um, it depends how many people are gonna leave, but um, ChatGPT is a great product, right? You gotta understand that I think basically GPT-5 is basically done. I think the base model has been trained. I think they need six to 12 more months to, to, to layer on top of it, reinforcement learning, fine tuning, um, alignment, et cetera, and get it out to the public. So next year, I think second half of next year, I think we will see GPT-5. Um, so this is this stuff lasts for a while. Like OpenAI can run with GPT-5 on ChatGPT and the API for a few years and make a decent amount of, of change, uh, even without new developments. But it really hurts in the two to five year and, the, and beyond uh, timeframe, right? When you lose like half your team, like that's where it really, really hurts.
uh, question, can AI write 1,000 pages best-selling novel like Leo Tolstoy? So that, that's not the point of, of, of AGI. It's not trying to per se be better than the best humans. Like that's not kind of the test of AGI. The test of AGI is like more like the average human. Can it do better than the average human on this task, on a set of tasks? on uh, occupation or job level, there will probably always be certain humans that will be able to do certain things better than AI, right? It's not saying that AI will make humans completely irrelevant. That's not the point of AGI. It's just, um, is the intelligence generally enough, generally, general enough across enough fields and skills and applications and tasks um, where it's reached a certain level where it's competent um, at a human level, right, or beyond? Um, yeah, when we're talking about artificial superintelligence or when we're talking about AGI that starts to recursively self-improve or autonomous, autonomously self-improve, then we're talking about stuff that's like beyond like beyond imagination where it's like, yeah, what can AI do that humans like, uh, can't do? Or what can AI can't, what can't AI do that humans right, um, are doing right now? It's like AI can do pretty much almost anything in, in an unfathomable way at a certain point. That's the idea. Um, yeah. Um, will we have multiple AGIs in one reality? Perhaps we will soon have an abundance of intelligence, hopefully serving one reality. Yeah, I mean, this is concerning because, um, yeah, I think there will be different approaches to AGI. You have different data centers, different specialties, et cetera. Some will be more capable, some will be cheaper, some will be have different angles, et cetera. It, I think there's gonna be some some diversity and complexity in the landscape. Um, and yeah, there will be uh, a lot of intelligence available, but I think also there'll be, in a sense, a lot of scarcity of intelligence. There'll be, I don't know, maybe there'll be battles and wars, there'll be tension over who controls the intelligence and the future of intelligence. A lot of the, the future intelligence will be predicated or based upon do you have enough GPUs, right? Um, do you have enough energy to support, right? These energy hungry GPUs, right? Um, and how do you get those that, that energy, right? And you might need vast amounts of land for solar panels or something. There's be perhaps a lot of stuff happening over the next ten or twenty years in terms of, yeah, access to those resources um, to ensure you have. Right, the the intelligence you need going forward, right? This because intelligence is just gonna go, go crazy, right? Up in terms of its um, the amount of intelligence available, and so who has access to it? Because whoever has access to it has a huge advantage, and so yeah, because it's moving so fast, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we have major, major, you know, battles, wars, tensions, whatever over, you know, the future of who controls intelligence and what enables that intelligence. Um, do you think we will defeat aging with AI, AGI in coming years? I think we will um, address many, many different ailments and diseases that are associated with aging. Personally, I think, you know, uh, living like, I think humans are capped at a certain level, personally. This is my intuitive response. Like, I think you were going to increase the longevity of humans by a, by a significant amount. Defeat aging completely, meaning... Do we ever unleash a ca uncapped longevity? I don't uh, think that's possible. But yeah, I, we're going to have a huge, huge, um, huge kind of renaissance of innovation and invention with, with medicine in the coming years with AI.
Um, I welcome house painting robots. Uh, yeah, there'll be actually a lot of uh, things robots are going to be able to do um, that will be welcomed. So are you thinking that compute hardware power is the fundamental limiting factor to AI advancement? So there are different timeframes to look at in terms of what is what are the bottlenecks for AI advancement. So let's say AI advancement in five or 10 years is gonna look a little different than let's say the next few years. But right now, what are the bottlenecks? I mean, you have, simply put, if you already have the world-class team that understands what's going on and knows what to do um, in terms of how to architect right, the neural nets, what are the right approaches, et cetera, um, then the, the key limitation or challenges are the data and the size of your neural nets. Because up until this point, we're still in the middle of kind of this, this, this trend where it's proven the larger the neural nets you have the more, and the more data you feed it, the better the performance. We haven't reached the, the end point of that kind of experiment yet. So we're still in the middle of this. So as long as you add more compute, more data, you're gonna get, get better performance and then you can shrink the models, right? Improve its, its kind of efficiency later after you have that model. So right now, what would be the fundamental constraint? It would be, yeah, uh, compute and data. That's basically, you know, the big constraint right now. And whoever, whatever companies are able to invest the most into compute and data um, are gonna be the ones who have the best models. And the ones who have the best models have this huge advantage because they can use those models, make them more efficient to create, you know, uh, faster models, less expensive models or whatever, and to create the next big model too that will be more uh, performant as well. And so in the next, you know, one to five years, yeah, probably data and compute is still going to be the remaining kind of bottlenecks. Going, moving forward to kind of like maybe three to seven year period, you're gonna have perhaps a slowing down of just what um, larger compute and data can, 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 can output or how much it can improve the models. And so you might need new techniques, uh, new approaches, um, which you know, AI researchers around the world are working, working on. And then eventually over time, um, it might be kind of a combination of of energy, because at a certain point, as you have millions and millions of GPUs like are just running AI, and you have these huge data centers with millions of GPUs that are just consuming millions of households worth of electricity, to feed those GPUs, you're gonna need massive energy farms. You might need land for that as well. So it might be combination, whatever it takes to, to feed that energy, right, into for the GPUs to, to do what they need to do. I mean, that's kind of the picture more longer term, like past five years. Um, I mean, it might, might take a while to get there, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a crazy world. But if intelligence is run by GPUs, basically, right? If GPUs are running the intelligence, then um, yeah, and intelligence proliferates and it requires this huge amount of electricity, we're gonna need that. And it's also good news for uh, Dojo, um, and probably there'll be other form factors of AI hardware where it's not GPUs per se, but it might be you know uh, TPUs or you know tensor tensor kind of chips based chips, etc. Um, where they might be more efficient to run neural nets. So a lot of things will will happen, I think, um, in the future. Um, 
Question, if AGI milestone is a spe spectrum, can, can Microsoft force turnover of IP indefinitely even when OpenAI says AGI is reached? So yeah, my understanding of the agreement between Microsoft and OpenAI is um, Microsoft has the rights to OpenAI's IP up until AGI. After that, the, the agreement doesn't hold weight. But um, in the agreement, who determines AGI is, is, is based off of OpenAI's assessment of what is AGI. So Microsoft doesn't have a say in terms of how to define or how to assess when they reach the AGI. So OpenAI ha has the cards in terms of um, when they dis decide when they have reached AGI and that will change the agreement between them and uh, Microsoft. Um, will XAI really be uncensored? What are the implications of an X of an AI with no guidelines? Yeah, I think the early versions of XAI will be ha, have been kind of more off the hooks. I think it, it will be um, uh, dialed in. Uh, you will have it aligned in different ways. It's just it'll be funny. It'll be more raw, you know, and based than others other AIs. But it will be brought into a, alignment in many ways. I mean. There's no alternative. Um, the base model is just is, is is too crazy to I think let everybody use as is. Um, I don't know. Some people will disagree with me, right? I mean, and that's why there's an open source you know movement too. Where just let people use it for for whatever purpose they want. That's their um, approach as well. Can we trust Bill Gates to care about humanity when we know he shorted a Tesla? Yeah, actually, Bill Gates doesn't own. Microsoft, or even that much of Microsoft anymore, so he probably doesn't have much say um, in that. But maybe you know he still has some influence. Uh, thanks, Dave, for the wonderful job you do for us. Um, Farzad, it seems like a battle of two extremes: go as fast as you can, one hundred percent profit motive, or government control, and with zero innovation and a ton of corruption. Yeah, man. Yeah, government corruption, man. Or government control. That's a tough one. Farzad, um, yeah, I got your message. Uh, wanting to do a live stream later. Let's go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to schedule something. Um, maybe later today we can go live. Um, either on your channel or my channel, we can talk more about this stuff. There'll probably be more news just in a few hours, right? More breaking, shocking news that will make everything just like change. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a crazy week, I think, um, in terms of AI. Uh, how many people have has Elon hired? Um, okay, here's a David Israel says, where does Tesla compare to OpenAI? Does Tesla feed of data collectors provided with a source of data at a scale no one else is including no one has, including OpenAI and Microsoft? Um, it's a different type of data, right? That uh, Tesla's is is going after Tesla's going after video data from their fleet. Uh, they have simulated data, their simulations. Um, they're doing physical world data. I mean, this is in some ways it's harder than than um, other knowledge data because it's bigger. It just it, it, the, it's unlimited. The size of video right, and images is so much bigger than than text and words. Um, but you could say also, you know, knowledge in that field is is challenging too. So um, it's just, in my opinion. It's just different, the, the approach that uh, Tesla has. The advantage that Tesla has in, in, in some ways is that uh, there's less 
players in that field because in, in some ways the where with where AI is at in terms of uh, how it could get its data and analyze and do all this stuff, it just isn't, there aren't many companies in the position to spend billions of dollars, if not tens of billions of dollars in the future to process physical world AI and actually have a business model for that. There are a lot of companies to process more knowledge data, like virtual data, text, all this stuff, and use it and have a business model because that's what the internet was kind of based upon, right? You have the Googles and the Facebooks and the OpenAIs and all these other Microsoft, they were based more in this digital economy. So you have already a business model where the discoveries and innovation can add value and create more profit, more revenue for the players. And it's this virtual cycle, right? The business model I've been talking about that's necessary to fund more and more training. And that's what is driven a lot of the development of these recent large language models is there's funding for that. What's driving right, the development of these physical real world models is, yeah, you don't have a ton of companies that have that type of you know, virtual cycle where it, their business model will allow them to spend billions of dollars or more right, into training larger and larger models. But Tesla has a business model, they've developed the business model. Not only that, they're, they're, they're developing the products for that business model. So that's what Robotaxi is. It's part of the business model or the cycle, right? It's a product where the more you use it, the more it's sold, the more you have now resources to invest into training the next big model. Same thing with the humanoid robot. It's another product where Right, the more people who buy it, you have now more money to spend to, to train the next big and greatest real world foundation model. It gets better, right? There's a virtuous cycle. That's the genius of Tesla's next, you know, 10 years of plans is they have the products in place to allow the business model of innovation happen for real world AI to happen. Add along, add with that dojo, right? The AI chip and their you know, everything else and and you've got a very, very interesting approach that Tesla has taken um, to real-world AI that I haven't seen any other company really you know, come close to what Tesla is trying to do with the physical real-world AI. All right, guys, my voice is getting shot right now. <laughs> my throat is kind of hurting. I, I could go on actually for quite a while, <laughs> for another hour or two, but I think I need to take a break, uh, hang out. Um, but yeah, it's been a fun uh, hanging out with you guys on uh, this Monday morning, an eventful weekend. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be an eventful uh, week of news. Um, we'll see what happens. I think uh, this situation with OpenAI is still in flux. I think we're going to get some bombshell uh, news stuff happening um, in the next couple of days. And I think it's good to talk about it, to discuss it, to look at it from different angles, to think about the implications and understand you know, what's going on. These are my ideas, my speculative ideas. A lot of my ideas are gonna change over time because I'll have no, new information, right? It'll just be a more, it'll be a different picture in a few days. But anyways, um, thanks for joining in and we'll see you guys um, next time, bye.